Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Have you heard of impact sourcing? It's a growing movement, reshaping how businesses provide best-in-class employee and customer experiences. My guest, Rita Sony, is Everest Group's Principal Analyst for Impact Sourcing and Sustainability. She brings a wealth of information about why and how impact sourcing and inclusion of persons with disabilities is essential for long-term success. We dive deep into misconceptions and stereotypes and simple tactics that you can do to create inclusive workplaces that promote employee retention and customer loyalty. As we live in a high-tech world, you're going to learn how to use tech for good because technology can, in fact, enhance experiences if we use it right. Please bring more purpose to business. Share this episode to get others to apply strategies in doing CX right too. It's not only beneficial to your bottom line profit, but also brings positive results to your community and the world at large. You'll understand more from this episode and related articles I write on this topic and shared in my newsletter at doingcxright.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Rita Sony. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Thank you so much, Stacey. Really excited for this conversation. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am grateful. And you do have a fan club. There's several people I've been talking to and they mentioned you and I was like, wow, what a small world because we're going to be together today. So I hope that you, I don't know the saying, your ears ringing, ears burning, <laughs> whatever that is. It's people are talking favorably about you. So please share with my audience, first of all, who are you? What do you do professionally? Uh, I think the reason that you're hearing me, it's probably not just me. It's more the space that I've really been privileged to work in. Um, so my name is Rita Sony. I'm Principal Analyst for Impact Sourcing and Sustainability Research at Everest Group. And I am just thrilled that the ideas uh, behind Impact Sourcing have taken off. And, um, and we're just doing incredible work around it. I joined Everest Group uh, two years ago, but before that, more than a decade, almost a decade ago, I was heading up the NASCOM Foundation where the term impact sourcing was born. Mm. And since then, we've just seen it grow in um, acceptance and in practice, not just in the developing world, which is, which is where I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, but also globally. And so for me, that's great because I... I'm an Indian American kid who happened to go to India for 10 years by accident. And so to bring all of those ideas here and talk about sustainability and talk about inclusion is just, it's just been great. Mm, I love that. Why your passion around this topic? Um, that's a good question. You know, I started life out as a, an engineer working for GE eventually getting into finance like many people at GE. And, and I, was, I was learning, I was growing, but there did seem like there was something missing. It was like, oh, does, isn't there some grander purpose? And 
This was before people really talked about purpose in business. So I went to grad school for international affairs and came out thinking, oh, it's all the nonprofits out there that are doing good. Let me just you know, find myself, find my way into a nonprofit. Um, and it's really that journey to India that got me to realize that this, the challenges of our society are just so grand and so huge that it can't just be one segment that is trying to solve them. It's also when we started to see CSR really kind of taking, taking a lot of flight, we also started to see social enterprises taking flight. So I got the opportunity to get into first into banking and then later at NASCOM to be able to bring my sort of tech for good ideas mm. to fruition. So yeah, that's it's it's I like to say that I'm an engineer turned do-gooder, but I think being the engineer is kind of ingrained in me and an important part of all of all of this. Mm. Well, one more question before we get to the meat of all of this, and that is a fact about you, a fun fact or something people may not know? Well, there's a goofy fact. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they meet me, uh, depending on where I am, they'll ask, where are you from? And, and I often say that, you know, what do you mean by that question? There's there's like a multitude of answers to that. But the funniest part of my answer is I was actually born in Alabama and uh, my father was studying to get his master's at University of Alabama. And I only lived there for 12 days. So that's my funny, funny fun. <laughs> yes, that is unusual uh, to move that quickly after you're born. But hey, yes. Well, all right. So let's get into the heart of the topic here, which is people might not understand what impact sourcing actually means. Can you explain? Sure. Um, and really, the terminology is important just so we're on the same page. But mm -hmm. what we've also found is that there's a lot of different uh, vocabulary around this practice. So let me more describe what the practice is. Um, it's about inclusive hiring practices as they apply to the global services industry. Um, so the term sort of came about more describing what it is that uh, buyers are doing, that they're sourcing with an impact in mind. What we've found is that this is well beyond what procurement and sor sourcing are doing, but it's, it's, it's across the technology stacks, it's across industries, it's even internal in many cases when you look at global in-house centers. So it's the idea that this industry has the potential of being inclusive like no other. And, be, and the reason for that is because technology in, enables inclusion, um, both from a training perspective, but also an enablement, you know, whether it's, it's uh, uh, tools for people with disabilities, if you have a visual impairment, potentially having a screen reader software, or other, other ways. The other way that this is an inclusive space or can be is, the, sort of the ubiquity of it. We're finding that, you know, as we talk about job losses and we talk about, um, or the fears of job loss, what we're finding is that actually many more jobs have been added since we've talked about job loss. So for example, I said that this started more than a decade ago. At that time, almost no one was doing the, the kind of data labeling and work we need to do to say, create autonomous vehicles, for example. 
But today, that's a huge part of what's happening, particularly when it comes to impact sourcing. So I want to dummy this down a bit more for people who may not understand what you're saying. Are you speaking specifically contact centers, customer service centers, or broader than that? So, you know, I want to say that it's much broader than that, but I also want to acknowledge that the CX industry has in many ways put this practice on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really, you know, embraced it, scaled it, and the kinds of changes that have happened just because of that embrace is really what's fascinating. Um, as I said earlier, it's truly become a global phenomenon. But when you look at particular geographies where it's so important and particular communities where it can have such a big difference, I would say, you know, the, the contact center space, the CX space has really brought to fruition um, kind of the beauty of this, this talent model. Mm. This is the Doing CX Right show. So help me understand. Well, I know. My audience understand. <laughs> to you, how does impact sourcing come link, come together with customer experience? What does that mean to you? You know, I, I think one of the best examples or one of the best ways to explain things is through examples. Mm-hmm. And one great example that I heard when I was um, visiting South Africa to see what's happening there from an impact sourcing perspective was related to uh, a, a CX um, employee who worked on things like loan recovery. And she came from a low-income community in, in South Africa. And when she talked to the end user, the end customer about recovery and about getting out of debt, she spoke with empathy that, that is just, it was just very genuine and um, felt by that end customer and end user. And so that I think that sort of is where we see the, the inclusion piece is not mm-hmm. inclusion for everybody else is like, it's just everybody else. It, you know, this person represents who we all are in a, in a way. Mm. What are some misperceptions, mis, misses in, in maybe it's bias that is typical and is it getting better from your perspective? If I, if I say the misperceptions versus it, vis-a-vis impact sourcing, um, I think we've, we've already talked about how it's become this global phenomenon. Um, I think there's also an assumption that it's only low-end work that is happening um, through impact sourcing, and that's just not the case. Um, we're finding people at every level and rising through the ranks, and in many ways, this being sort of an on-ramp into certain industries or certain businesses. I think the other misconception about this is that only specific communities could be um, benefited from this. But that's that's also not happening. You know, there's so much variety of how companies are saying exclusion happens in the places that they operate. So for example, there are some companies that are focused on including refugee communities. There's one company that said, we're going we're gonna to have as one of our key 
communities, um, solo parents. And they were very, um, I want to say deliberate about saying solo parents and not just single moms. And then there was another one that I heard about recently, which talked about, um, in, in, in a very sad way, they talked about some of the losses in their workplace from COVID. So they decided they were going to actually target the spouses of those folks that passed away and, and open up their business to employ them. So, you know, I think inclusion or, you know, breaking down those barriers in such a innovative, creative way is, is probably the, the biggest thing that, that I find, that, that I find, feel very passionate about, that it's, it, the, there's sort of the art of the possibilities is truly here, you know, as opposed to when we hear about the art of the possibility. So we know factually that you can't have a great customer experience without people, employees, staff, agents, feeling valued, empowered, trusted. So one fuels the other. How does impact sourcing affect the delivery of customer experience? How does it, what do you want leaders to know that why they should make this a priority? I love that question. And it reminds me of when I first entered into working with people with disabilities. Um, many of the things that we learn out of being inclusive end up being beneficial for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you, I'm sure most of your audience has heard the typical thing with you build a ramp, and that might be for a person who's permanently in a wheelchair. But then, you know, at some point you twist your ankle and that ramp is very useful because you're on crutches. Yeah. So in that same way, I think the, the philosophies that go around inclusion, um, that come with inclusion in, in this space, apply. Um, so, you know, just workplace activities. So this company that's talking about solo parents, for example, they've decided that they're going to double the number of sick days for those folks. Because in, in other households where there are two parents, there are two sets of sick days. Um, so I think that's, that's more of how I see the benefit, how it's benefiting the business. And then, of course, there are the examples that, that we talked about at the beginning, that people are excluded from jobs that are part of our normal society. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's our normal society that we all as businesses are trying to benefit and trying to be customer service for. So they're just representative, you know? Um, and, and I think that that's the most important part of when we think about inclusion as a concept, we think about impact sourcing as a concept, that to me is really critical for the industry. And that's, you know, that's not to mention the the multiplier effect of these kind of programs. We don't really think about it when we're just, you know, we see businesses growing. But when you see a business that's that's being intentionally inclusive, you think about the family members of each of those individuals. You think about the communities that they came from and the follow-on effect that this is going to have. And you think about the sort of backward and forward linkages of those businesses growing. A lot of impact sourcing is happening by specialist companies. And the reason that I, we call them specialists is that their primary talent strategy, as opposed to being incorporated in the business, 
Mm. The primary talent strategy is being inclusive. And in those places, the backward and forward linkages are businesses that get set up because that business has has just grown two and three and five fold, um, as well as the you know input process. So the way educational institutions change, um, the way even things like marriage age and the number of kids that people have, um, it just it just boggles my mind all the possibilities. I, I think back to when I was in grad school and thinking about eco- economic development in this very theoretical way. And this is exactly it. Give, give, get good jobs that are meaningful and paying you fair wages and treating you well and see the whole effect on, on all those around you. Mm. Who typically owns the decision and actually implementation of the programs? Is that HR? Is that other? Yeah, you know, I think that is one of the really interesting things that we've seen. Um, I assumed, you know, when when we started wanting to promote this, I, I really did assume going to HR would be kind of the the quickest way. But I I think you do you do need leadership buy-in at the end of the day. And then secondly, really the second most uh, important constituent are are your operations leads. They're mm-hmm. defining who it is that is going to be on the shop floor. And without their buy-in, you, you really can't bring in the, the best program around impact sourcing. And then, of course, you know, I, I think, or maybe this is just unsaid, but the, your end client that, is, that, that you're doing this work for, they obviously need to be bought in as well. Um, in many of these business relationships, they're defining the levels of education, the other kinds of qualifications that individuals have. So the, the buyer in the end of the day has to be part of this process because mm. you're going to need to change that. In order to be inclusive, you're going to need to question some of those assumptions and push the envelope on who is it that's going to be the best person for that seat versus what's been used, what's been kind of the norm um, of that process. Mm. I believe that having formal programs like any other program besides this, like you do need executive buy-in. You need it drilled down from the bottom and to from the top and the bottom. I also think that leaders have to do the basics right without a formal program. And what I mean is I had uh, a bunch of uh, agents, call center agents, and one in particular, she had a stroke. And when she came back, did everything possible to make it easy for her. So even the equipment that she used, an earpiece, had to get some special equipment. And to me, that's not like a formal program. That's just get the basics right. What's your view on that? I mean, it's both, Right. <laughs> Right, right. No, I think it's a perfect example. And I think it gets back to when, you know, when the iPhone decided to put that little accessibility dot, and this is back when there was a button, right? How many people were using that accessibility dot because their button stopped working? Um, And that, I I don't think anyone used that dot thinking, oh, this is for only for people with disabilities. It It was not just an accessibility dot. So absolutely, I think the universality 
of being intentionally inclusive. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's a perfect example. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we are in an industry where you could come back, right? That um, there are so many debilitating things about having a stroke and, it's amazing that she could come have a job where she she can be comfortable, sit down and and do her thing and still relate to people. And yeah, that's amazing. But I also think that while HR does tell kind of the rule of the land, we as human beings and leaders have to know intuitively, how do I make it more comfortable so that she can deliver customer excellence because we took care of her. And that's not a program. That's not an HR, you know, paid initiative. This is just us being human. So I hope people are reminded from this that you need to do the basics right. Yeah, I think, and you know, Stacey, we're we're just coming out of this crazy pandemic. I think that human aspect or just, just being genuine. I think that's embedded in us now, at least, and, and let's see how long, I, I hope it lasts very long, but I think there's there's just that much more um, empathy and, and uh, compassion that we all have for each other, given this, this difficult time we've all been through. And now yeah. I think we can also see the benefits to business from that, you know, the, the remote working and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, all the different ways that we can we can make life a little easier. Yeah, I think the gig economy is actually helping the growth and the nurturing of impact sourcing. We do see impact sourcing as an intentional part of um, some gig uh, companies. And then we see even combining this idea of being a specialist company and doing impact sourcing and doing gig work. There's a there's a small company based out of France called Isahit, where they base, they target only women that have been typically excluded and are from from lower income communities, um, and they ask them to come up with three goals. One of three goals that they're joining this job to gain tech skills. They're joining this job to save money for um, an entrepreneurial enterprise or they're saving money for higher education. So it's it's actually forced gig, um, can't do more than a, than 100 hours a month, I think it is. I can't remember the exact. Um, but there's, a, there's this very deliberate view that this kind of gig work can then put you on a path that you've predefined. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've I've had the the honor of meeting one of their agents who, through COVID, had had challenges with um, childcare. She was, I think, she was a teacher, and needed to find a new way of operating. And Isahit gave it to her, um, and she sees herself eventually. She she actually saw that this big need that when you have working parents having good childcare that meets your needs as in, in terms of when you go to work and when you when you come back. She, she decided she was going to start a daycare center eventually in Colombia that would help with that. So 
You know, I think mm-hmm. I think this idea that there are all these different opportunities um, through gig work or through other ways of inclusion, I think it's it's definitely there. I also want to bring another slant to this. When I was working at Verizon and I was on the e-commerce team, we would bring uh, people who with a colorblind, people who were completely blind to do user testing to make sure that we were designing for people with different abilities. And that's another area that companies need to do more of around the voice of the customer for all segments. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And testing um, in, in a bunch of different industries has has definitely been a really interesting use case for people with, disabil- with certain disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see uh, people on the autism spectrum that have been very useful for particular activities that are repetitive and require uh, a huge amount of focus. So you're absolutely right. I, I think enabling people based on what it is that they're good at is, is sort of the point. Yes. Mm. I love how you said tech for good. Because I had not heard that phrase and it makes so much sense that we need to use technology to enhance experiences, especially our employees, our staff, our agents, our gig workers, our interns, so they can literally pay it forward. And that is that makes so much sense. So I want people to think of technology in that way. It's not meant to completely replace us, but to enhance experiences if you do it right. That's right. That's right. Reducing the barriers for entry, um, you know, creating pathways for folks. Uh, it's, it, it, it's all possible through the different enabling technologies. Um, and, mm. you know, I think, I think reducing burden is also important, which is, you know, coming from a lot of the automation technology, so yes, tech for good is is an amazing phrase. And yeah, I think every technology company thinking about how their technology then enables more is, is sort of the opportunity. So let me ask you some rapid fire questions here as we're getting to the end. If I had tons of leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people who can make a difference in organizations around the world, what do you want them to know? What's the one key takeaway? I think the biggest thing is take your blinders off. Um, Mm. We are in a point right now where there's so much talk of a talent um, dearth. And I think businesses are over and over and over again demonstrating that there's talent that is untapped. Um, there are companies that in the United States that are working inside women's prisons. There are companies in India that are working in rural communities. There are folks in across Europe that are tapping the unfortunate circumstances of refugee communities. So I think it's just take those blinders off and recognize when we look at talent, there's just so many groups that are being left out. And mm. this is the time uh, that we should be including them. Take your blinders off. Yes. And use tech for good, for goodness. Yes. So can you tell me what is 
the best leadership advice you've been given or that you've given to others? Yeah, I think it's actually kind of the same. I received this advice and have since been able to use it in my um, leadership roles. And it's it's around continuous growth and learning and uh, pushing your own envelope. Um, I actually said to my colleagues when I was in India that if your resume is not growing, it's not changing and evolving from your time here, um, it's time to move on. Uh, it's time to to find that next challenge. And and I think what's exciting about today's day and age is there are all these humongous global challenges of inequity, of within sustainability, all of these different challenges. And and we know that that technology exists to help us overcome those challenges. People are passionate about these things. We now see purpose as embedded, especially mm. among uh, very young employees wanting to find passion. So, really, the you know the the there's there's endless possibilities of continuing to grow and solve these problems. So, yeah, I think I think it's about growth and change and learning. Mm. And if you could go back in time to your younger twenty year old self, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Rita? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. Honestly, Stacey, I don't know if this is really cliche to say, but I really like the crooked path that I've had. So I don't know that I would um, suggest a more straight path to where I'm at, but maybe more just like enjoy the journey. The crooked crooked is fine and uh, changing course is fine. It's just... It's just that much more excitement in life. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe it would be that. I love that. It's not always a straight line and to embrace the crooked. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And I will have links to your social media and places to find you. And you're doing such impactful work and it is felt around the world. It's noticed. And so thank you. Thanks so much, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.